Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. And now, everyone, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Don Caper. Ladies and gentlemen, if I asked anyone walking up and down Madison Avenue right now what this is a picture of, they would all say the same thing. A meatball sub. <laughs> and of course, they would all be correct. If I asked them what the meatballs are made of, they would say ground beef. Who could blame them? How would they know any better? There's nothing on this presentation board to tell them these meatballs are more than just ground beef. But you, you know. You know the truth. And you've been sitting on it this whole time. They're made of ground beef, ground pork, and ground veal. Not one single type of meat, but a triumvirate of meat. <laughs> well, Don, you know, a lot of people have issues with veal and pork. And they have issues with taste. An issue with taste is an issue with subtlety and complexity. Your sandwich is not for them. Let them eat, I don't know, sloppy joes. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's time to let your customers in on your truth. There's more to your sandwich than meets the eye. Now, while you ponder this, I'll let you in on a little truth of my own. My father worked for a Brooklyn factory that made chemical products for the screen printing industry. He worked every Saturday morning, so we never had a chance to sit together and watch pro wrestling. But I was lucky enough and he wasn't too tired from the overnight shift he'd just worked. He'd let me stay up past midnight to watch championship wrestling with him. His favorite wrestler was Pedro Morales, the then reigning intercontinental champion from Culebra, Puerto Rico. Because Pedro was a source of Puerto Rican pride to my father, he never failed to remind me to always root for Pedro. Win, lose, or draw. If he lost or drew, it was probably because the bad guy cheated. Or so, my father said. Well, on June 20th, 1981, Pedro dropped the belt to a man named, uh, Don, uh, where, where exactly are you going with all this? Don. The magnificent Don Morocco was the man who stripped Pedro of the belt. My father hated Morocco with a passion. He called him a cheater, a liar, and a racist. I tried to hate him also, but as much as I tried, I couldn't. Morocco was just too damn entertaining to me. I never missed his promos and even learned how to mimic his voice. Sometimes I believe that Pedro Morales never went to school at all. When I sit and listen... 
So the guttural tones that he tries to imitate the English language with, I wonder, is there something I can do for the man? Maybe, maybe by taking the thumb, maybe by taking the spike, the Asiatic spike and driving it down deep, deep, deep into his throat. You think, you think his vocabulary may improve at that point. You think he might feel the need to scream. He might feel the need to tell somebody. It's over, baby. No more, amigo, baby. Say adios, baby. That summer, that summer of 81, I kept all the kids on my block laughing with that very same routine, almost word for word. To end it with a bang, I would usually add a cheap shot from Morocco's manager, the Grand Wizard. Did you hear that Pedro Morales, Don Morocco, will have the belt around his waist? No pepper belly is worthy of having this championship around their waist. There really is nothing like a Morocco promo. Completely unpredictable, poetic, philosophical, confusing, funny, and always intense. I think the modern-day equivalent would be Al Pacino's 90s acting style. A lot of yelling sandwiched between softness and a lot more yelling. Uh, Speaking of sandwiches, Don... Don Morocco could talk the talk and walk the walk. He was six foot three and 265 pounds and he feuded with the best of them. They were all great fights. He feuded with Morales, Bob Backlund, and Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Title fights, death matches, and steel cages. They were all thrilling, dramatic, white knuckles. The bottom line is, this man had layers to him. The wrestling fans couldn't fathom. They taunted him about his Hawaiianness and his surfer's tan, yelling, beach bum, beach bum, anytime they could. It really pissed him off. And he let the fans know it, usually by taking it out on the ragdoll in the ring with him. But then, there were some other times when he didn't give a crap what the audience called him. Times when he would treat them and his opponent with utter contempt. Like the time he ate a meatball sub in the ring. Oh, thank God. Don Morocco knocked a stuffing out of some jobber named Victor Mercado. Morocco was hilarious, grinning at the fans every time he ripped into his meatball sub, or sipped from his cola, or rubbed his stomach to glorify his gluttony. I swear, if you didn't know it was a wrestling match, you would call it performance art. The fans got the last laugh, though, when Morocco's manager... That slob named Captain Lou Albano slipped and fell on a slab of leftover sub by the ring steps. When my father came home that afternoon, after working his overnight at the Brooklyn Chemical Factory, he took me to a local diner. I think he just wanted some company while he ate. He told me I could order anything I wanted, so I ordered a meatball sub. Chalk that up to the power of television and advertising, folks. So while I chewed mouthfuls of saucy meatballs with relish, my father stared at me with disapproval. I thought it was the sauce on my chin, so I wiped at it a lot until it actually started to burn. What's a pepper belly? He asked me. Taken aback by his question, 
I thought I might choke on my mouthful of sandwich. I hear you say that to the kids to make them laugh. What does it mean? Because you say it like you know what you are saying. What is it? Knowing deep down he already knew the answer, I put down my sandwich and cleared my throat. Stammering, I said, I I think it's a bad word for a Puerto Rican. He chewed his breakfast deliberately, never taking his disapproving eyes off of mine and said, Is that what you are? Pepper Belly? I shook my head no. Then don't let me hear you say those words again. I nodded. What I really wanted to tell him was, lighten up, Pops. It was said in jest. I was entertaining my friends. Somebody else said it about Pedro Morales. That's not how I feel about myself or any other Puerto Rican. I really wanted to tell him, Don Morocco, a native Hawaiian for crying out loud, was more like the Puerto Ricans I knew than Pedro Morales was. Hell, I had cousins and uncles in prestigious Perth Amboy motorcycle clubs that looked more like Don Morocco than Pedro Morales. They wore the same round, dark sunglasses Morocco did, had the same swarthiness, the same swagger, and the same contempt for anyone who couldn't see beyond their denim biker vests and loud bikes. Maybe more like a sleek surfboard for Morocco than a bike, but you get the idea. Look, it hurt my father to hear me make fun of Morales, even if it was through an impression. To put down his hometown boy, to trounce on our Puerto Rican pride. I don't think subtlety and complexity were things he looked for in his heroes. And what does a ten-year-old know about those things either? It's only in retrospect that I can see those layers as clearly as I can see them today. So I can't blame him any more than I can blame those people walking up and down Madison Avenue right now. They don't know any better. Sometimes we have to take them by the hand so we can show them the difference between that which is plain and pedestrian and that which is multifaceted and magnificent. Is that a new billboard, Don? A split-screen billboard high above the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. On one side, a soggy, unappetizing meatball sub with the caption, Substandard. On the other, your sandwich bathed in bright rays of light gold standard. New York, you're deeper than plain ground beef. I like it. Don, I like it. But I must admit, I half expected the magnificent Don Morocco would be holding up our sandwich. That wouldn't be such a bad idea. Well, the magnificent one is 72 years old now, retired from pro wrestling and running his own podcast show. He might not mind the publicity, but I don't think anybody other than you would make the connection. I told you my truth. Now go spread yours.
We will certainly consider this, Don. Honestly, you could have shown us the billboard and spared us the wrestling history. But now that you've sparked the nostalgia bug in me, I vaguely remember the WWF doing a send-up of Miami Vice with Don Morocco playing Don Johnson and, and Mr. Fuji as his partner. Your memory serves you correct. It was called Fuji Vice, and it was as cheesy as any TV show parody you'll ever see or hear. His acting may have been a little stilted, but that same Don Morocco charisma was still there. At least for me it was. Guess it takes one Don to know another. But, uh, Don, just on a side note, you do know you're wearing a pair of stiletto heels. I know that. But I'm taking them off. Right now. You've been listening to Wrestling With Heels On. See you in two weeks, when we'll take another trip, together, down Villainy Lane. Only on the Sports History Network. Of course. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One, shop. Check out the thousands more of unique items with the retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.